That's that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, you know JD from Scrubs? It's like that. It's a lot like that, but with a lot more heroin use. If you could choose those, uh, have you been seeing that? Like the three fictional characters that describe me. Right. Yeah. Which three would you choose? Um. I would probably have to go with. Oh man, this is this is challenging for me. I'm gonna say Hermione Granger um, because I'm clever, but I'm also really uppity about it. Um, God, you are. I know, right? Insufferable. Um, the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland, mostly because of the drug connotations um, and the British accent, obviously. Um, and number three would probably be the Noid from the Domino's commercials. Wait, what? The Noid? What's You're not the familiar noid? with the Noid? What's you the must noid? have avoid the Noid. It was an advertising campaign in the 80s that the reason your pizza got cold or wasn't as fresh when it got to you is because of this fictional creature called the Noid, which would fuck up your pizza. And so their slogan was avoid the noid. And this was right when they started doing the whole plug-in convection, um, you know, electric heaters that they'd carry pizzas in. So it was like the defense against the noid. And I feel like if there's any characteristic I have as a person, it's wanting to fuck up everyone else's pizza. Yeah, you're kind of the worst. That or Jay Gatsby. I could see being Jay Gatsby. Um, yeah, no, that, I, I mean, I don't know, I never watched that commercial, but yeah, I totally can see that. They're kind of, yeah, sure, that's actually, I, I'm, I'm impressed by that. I liked those. I'm glad. Well, I like something that, uh, that you chose this week. Um, he said, segueing effortlessly. We are all apprentices in a craft where no one ever becomes a master. Ernest fucking Hemingway. You know, when I chose that quote, I was pretty sure that was the one you were going to choose. Because of its epicness or the inherent latent sexism that is, you know, bubbling under the surface of all men? Both. Well, safe bet. Hemingway's normally a safe bet with you. That's true. There's something about that six-fingered, cat-loving, gin-swiggling, sea-romanticizing, bearded old bastard that just... I like Hemingway. I, li- I like the idea of Hemingway. How's that? I've told you about my three degrees of separation from Ernest Hemingway, right? No, you haven't. And that's such good writer bragging rights. Let me lay it on me. Um, my brother dated his grandson. No, sh- oh, you may have mentioned that years I ago. I feel like I feel like I did. I you know. did. We my... may have been. Um, we may have been high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like trying to think of another way to say it. You're trying. I was <laughs> engaged in poetic pursuits. No, we that, that... we may have been in college. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Missoula at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I was dead game. at the time. Oh, well, there you go. Ha, huh, dated Hemingway's grandson. That's mm-hmm. that's unique. Is he a writer? Uh, no, artist. Or he might be a writer, too. But he was more 
into artistic pursuits. Painting and the like? Yeah. Have you been to the Leaf and Bean in Bozeman? No. Oh, well then, never mind. Ignore everything that I just said. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you have wow. me. That's a pretty flimsy story that completely requires you having been to the Leaf and Bean in Bozeman. I don't think that had much legs. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're from Montana. Most people have been to the three largest cities in Montana. And... No, I've, I've been to Bozeman. I just haven't been in the fucking Leaf and Bean. It's a pretty well-known coffee shop. See, when I go to a town in Montana, I seek out breweries, not coffee shops. Even in the morning? When you would Especially drink in the morning. Okay. Well, you know, that's fair. Montana makes me want to drink, too. In a good way. I love Montana. Eh. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for that. I mean, I... Uh, I appreciate the place in my history that it has. And the person it made me. We know. We know. You're fully a Seattleite now. It's okay. I'm not saying I'm fully a Seattleite. I am... Well, that's the first time you're not saying it. <laughs> it's the first time It's the first time I said something one way or the other about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, no, I feel, like I, ha- I feel like I have a lot of homes, and I have the places that built my, my past and the, people, uh, and the places that built my like, present and the places that I look to for the future. Like, I think I'll probably live abroad when I'm older. That's really beautiful. I like that. Yeah. And I mean, California is a huge part of my past and hopefully maybe a bit of my future as well because my dad's from there. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it all it is what it is. I was discussing Texas with someone recently and they were like, man, you like go there a lot. I'm like, it's a big part of my past and it's a fairly large part of my present. But who's to say for the future? I mean... Texas is a pretty large part of the Union, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's <laughs> apt, apt aside there. <laughs> okay, what three fictional characters would best describe you, then, if you were uh... going to, to put them? Just circle back to what we did earlier, but now I'm going to pretend that I'm a good conversationalist and friend and ask you the same you question you care? asked me. Um, yeah, yeah. This one's hard for me actually because I don't know if you know this but I read a lot of books go on and so I feel like everyone can find a little bit of something in like each character that they fall in love with so I guess I would like to say I feel a kindred like I I feel like I have a kindred spirit in Adair uh, from Dancing at the Rascal Fair by Ivan Doig. Um, What's the character's name? Adair. Oh. It's who I'm named after. And that's why I'm like jokingly <laughs> saying like, yeah. And then I also feel like I should be like Meg from Little Women because also named after her. Cause, oh man, yeah. that's so, that's so but, much better. I thought for a second you were referring to yourself in the third person. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, we have, we have jumped the pretentious shark. <laughs> Adair has gone off the deep end. No, but I don't, I mean, one, I haven't actually finished Dancing at the Rascal Fair. And she's kind of a tragic character, so I don't know if I would actually say I'm like her. Um, Eleanor Dashwood from Sense and Sensibility. I definitely think I'm like her. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So I'd say Eleanor from Sense and Sensibility, 
uh, Donna from Doctor Who. Hell yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes I kind of feel like I'm like Pam Beasley from The Office as well. That's fair. You've had to put up with a lot of incompetence in your day. I have. Um, yeah, I would say probably, probably her or um, it kind of varies between Leslie Nope and Ann Perkins on a day-to-day basis, but I kind of feel like I embody them both a little bit. I think you are the Leslie Nope of a lot of friendships, but mm-hmm. you are more of an Ann Perkins. Yes. I see that's what I, I yes, I think you 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 cracked it. Like you are the Leslie to my Ron. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mm-hmm. think I'm definitely more Ann Perkins if you say pair me with Megan. Yes. Yes. Um Megan gets a shout out each episode until she actually listens to them. And I know that. Then I, I know she listens to them. I, I never agreed to that. <laughs> no, you didn't. But I'm the Megan. One that you did. You did not. This. You did not just get a shout out. I revoke your shout out. <laughs> uh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> have any shout outs you want to give? Do you want a shout out to Cameron? See if no, he's no, no. It's a, it's a, it's mutually assured destruction. I won't put out any shout outs because then you'll just revoke those shout outs. So now there will be no shout outs. I feel like. You think I'm meaner than I am. No, I just assume the worst in everyone. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, your life lessons have shown that that's a, that's a pretty good barometer to put on the world. <laughs> so I was, I was lying in bed last night. and Oh, I, you sleep, I see. I do. I sleep like a human. Um, and you know when you have a story or a poem or a blog post or just an idea for something that you want to create... And the idea, like there are concepts that are really clear, but it's like the entry point just eludes you. It's like you can see this building, but you don't know where the door is. Yes, all the time. Right? These just these monoliths, these like these ideas just spring up and you're like, well, how do I get inside? How do I how do I really deal with it and access it? And there's this story that I've been working on intermittently and I've started it three different times. I have beginning, you know pages for this story and each time I was just horribly dissatisfied and last night it just was this eureka moment and of course it's always right when you're about to fall asleep it's when your brain is finally shut off and forgotten about the problem and then it just explodes in your brain like oh my god yes that's how that's how oh so I I had one of those moments last night and I gotta say short of finishing something and someone reading it for the first time that's like my third favorite experience when writing the eureka moments it's like an orgasm of thought yes 100 (laughs) percent um so a sneaky one one you're not expecting (laughs) (laughs) sudden orgasm of thought um Sorry, I was like, should I say it? You made that sound like it was an attack coming from a Pokemon. <laughs> Sudden <laughs> orgasm of thought! It's super effective. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so that happens to me, but often when that happens to me, I find myself just talking to myself. So mm-hmm. like, I'll be like falling asleep. 
and then I'll just be like, sit. So I'm glad I sleep alone because <laughs> I'm pretty sure my dogs think I'm crazy because I just sort of talk to myself until I like get out of whatever weird labyrinth of confusion I have for a plot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I also just sound like a crazy person. I like speak a narration sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Like, do it's, you talk to yourself a lot? Because I talk to myself a lot. I talk to myself a lot, especially, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Myths and Legends podcast, but it's a, it's a very good podcast. This guy goes through a lot of fairy tales and folklores and myths and legends and finds the original story or like the first telling of it and either puts it in the non-Disney context of how it originally was or talks to you about the first, you know, the first writer who who did it and how the story really is and what we've forgotten about it or you know what might surprise you about it and like gives you like the honest sort of like a crash course survey of mythology and folklore and oftentimes he'll say something or talk about a creature and I'll just turn it off and just start talking to myself about an idea that that comes from that on the train, it's really fun because you look all put together in your little catering uniform and then you just start talking to yourself like a crazy person. People scoot away real quick. I don't know if anyone has ever been like, that guy, he seems to be put together. Well, my wife might have thought that for a little bit. <laughs> then she she got to know you. Well, she uh, married me and was like, <laughs> oh, buyer's remorse. <laughs> uh, yeah, she sent me some really sad texts after that. <laughs> Who let her have a phone? <laughs> I don't know. I think she has like a burner phone hidden somewhere in your apartment. Probably an Indies kennel. Um, probably. I don't know. Oh, or in one, of those, what, one of those garden boxes you guys have. Shows what you know. Indy sleeps on our bed all the time because I'm bad with boundaries. So, oh, has that changed? That changed since last spring then because she was totally mm-hmm. in, in the kennel. Yeah, we wanted more space, so we got rid of the kennel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are. Uh, I mean, Floyd has his own room because his kennel is so huge. Lord. And also, he is spoiled rotten for a 13-year-old pug. <laughs> um, uh, so, I have something I, I have something to tell you, and I feel like you now can use it as your, your bragging right. Um, our last podcast, someone texted me. I won't say who. But someone texted me and said, you sound like John Mulaney. Said that I sound like John Mulaney? Yeah. Huh. Tone, intonation, squeamishness at the sight of blood? I'm assuming. He doesn't look like he'd handle gore very well. You, just how you deliver things. How you deliver. And it's funny because hmm. just now when you said that, you sounded like John Mulaney and I heard it. And I was like, oh my God, it's true. Uh, also, I listened to The Comeback Kid last night, meaning I fell asleep because I watched it so many times and I was really, really tired, quote unquote, tired. And uh, <laughs> you were you were in college. <laughs> I was in college. And so I like watch it, but I fall asleep and I kind of wake up for certain parts of it that I know by heart and love. But hmm. it's 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 the go to. Well, in, that's in my household. I've, yeah. I've had far worse things said about me than being compared to John Mulaney, so I will take it. I find him hilarious, so, yeah. I think he's very funny in stand-up. I don't like him in scripted content. Well, yeah, that show. Oof. Oof. Woof. Oof. There's a career I do not want. (laughs) (laughs) If it was just that snapshot of that show, I'd be like, 
pass. <laughs> yeah. It's it's good stuff. So what are you up to? What have you been doing since Thursday when last we spoke? Um, I have been working a lot of day job hours, doing the what the kids call the toy job or the pay the bills job. Um, the toy job? I don't think I've ever heard anyone call that. Who are these yeah. children you're talking to? No, the uh, that's that's like a stand-up comic term, your toy job. It's, uh, it's your fake job. It's your, you know, it's... It's the nothing job. It's the job you have no investment in besides making sure that you get paid. Because, like, you know, I don't want to be assembling desks and hanging whiteboards professionally. Or, you know, catering people's weddings, necessarily. Like, uh, I like mixing drinks, but I don't... Anyways. So I've been working a whole hell of a lot. And then, um, when I'm not doing that, I've been watching... Uh, the secret weapon numbers climb and climb and climb. Not um, ours, right? Just other people's. We premiered with 80 subs. Seriously? 80 subscribers off the bat. First week. That's... Yeah. Did you tell anyone we were doing this? Because I don't think nope. I did. <laughs> Our promotion was minimal. Um, yeah, because I think, I think those it was are all... Facebook post. Those are all people that followed us over from the blog. So I just want to say thank you because it, it like yeah. blew my mind that with no tweets, no fanfare, no yeah, real we have pageantry, zero tweets or like we have one tweet right now. Well, and not like our tweets get a lot of circulation. Let's be honest, but still, <laughs> um, truth. You know, uh, yeah, that started at eighty. Um, Wordstruck became our first podcast to break two hundred, um, and we're approaching. We're over 700 subscribers for the network. Nifty. So my my goal as a co-creator, a co-founder, a executive producer, my goal of 1,000 subscribers for the network by the end of the year has become really tangible. Um, so that's made me very happy, very excited. Um, that's and, nifty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, 80? That can't be right. <laughs> 18. It's definitely sure. 18. Right? It's all three. a dare. You mean three. I listened to it three times. It's three. It's a dare. <laughs> Subscribing from every computer she knows of. <laughs> We're all creating fake Apple accounts or using Stitcher and Google Play and whatever else. Just yep. buffing up the numbers. Thanks, Mom. I know you don't even know what a podcast is, but thanks. <laughs> I think my mom knows what a podcast is because it's where her child goes on Sundays. Mm. Sunday's a good podcast day. Well, that's, Sunday's... that's Dizzy Channel Day. Mm-hmm. It's also a good writing day, especially oh, now yeah. that we're like super fall weather. Has yeah. the as the fall weather inspired you to uh, embrace your inner melancholy? Uh, I think my inner melancholy has made me embrace my inner melancholy. Um, you know me and my my sad. Uh, it's super fun. She's actually, sad, ladies and gentlemen. She's very sad. <laughs> yep, but S-A-D rhymed with me. Um, and it was like a beat poem. <laughs> oh my God, talk about something you wrote. <laughs> well, I actually wanted to ask you, should we do like an abbreviated 30 for 30? Because we kind of have missed the boat on it a little bit. But I was like, we did so well last year for 30 for 30. 
Mm, I wrote if you want. so much. Well, I mean, be nice. I mean, for the okay. So for the listeners who do not know what Thirty for Thirty is, last year Dan and I embarked on a fundraiser uh, in honor of Hugo House, which is a place I volunteer at here in Seattle, and we wrote for thirty minutes for thirty days in October. And I kind of think it'd be fun if we just like gave ourselves maybe in November though. So it's a little, you know. Oh, November, time. I can easily do it because yeah, like, I will be doing um, National Novel Writing Month. Yeah, so let's just let's just piggyback on it, and we'll do like a we'll do like a thirty for thirty kind of thing in November. Because I'd love to. I got so much stuff in like my backlogs, my short stories, my essays that I never finished. I'm not gonna lie. When you first said thirty for thirty, I was thinking of the ESPN documentary series, and I was like, "The hell, thirty for thirty? Did we watch together? We must have been really in college because I don't remember that at all." <laughs> we were so in college; it was insane. <laughs> that uh, I was thinking about that, but I am uh, for writing. I'm getting well into my collection of poems that I'm writing about the state of Texas. Ooh. Because I have told you about this, right? Mm-hmm. A and little. So, so the, the premise of it is I, when I was 15, I went on a road trip from Billings, Montana, your hometown. What? 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 Two uh, refineries and a couple Walmarts. I went to that one of the Walmarts. No, it was a Costco. I went to a Costco. Yeah, got we got a Sam's water. Club now, too. I got a lot of saltwater taffy there. I basically <laughs> survived that trip with saltwater taffy and beef jerky. But, yeah, I went from Billings to Denver to Santa Fe to Dallas to Houston. And I spent about two weeks with a family friend on that drive and then subsequently in Texas and fell in love with Texas and then due to various reasons in my life uh starting at 19 and continuing to well this Wednesday I find myself going to Texas repeatedly for various reasons I actually just found out a few of my friends will be getting married on New Year's Day so yet another trip to Texas for a dare um, and so this relationship with Texas was the impetus to write poetry to this place. Yeah, basically just this idea that a place that I knew nothing about started holding such a huge part of my life and that some aspect of it kept bringing me back to it. And for a long time, I was very confused what the pull was. And in my super, super lame romantic heart i i kind of think that the reason that it kept bringing me back was so i could uh, eventually meet and fall in love with the man i am dating now so maybe that's it i don't know that was so sweet i don't even have a sarcastic comment i know right i mean i i that was total happenstance and everything but it is it is yeah. nice it's nice to think that maybe there was some some act of fate in that so so would you say that you're primarily writing to texas or for texas uh i'd say it's about currently it's about 50 50 yeah it's a lot of the younger uh the younger the poems based in my younger years there are more about 
the place or to the place. Mm-hmm. And then it's more about it later on and how it starts kind of framing the edge of my life and how when anyone brings up Texas, I get very nostalgic. So I wonder in those early poems, this is complete conjecture on my point, but mm-hmm. was younger Adair attempting to get to know Texas better or to understand why it meant so much to her all of a sudden? I think after my first trip I did, yeah. Yeah. I think it was definitely, there was just this place. It, I mean, that trip itself changed me a lot. Hmm. Um, I was kind of a brat. <laughs> and I feel like it opened me up to, well, my world was so small. I mean, that's just how it is when you're 15. Had you been abroad or anything no. at that point? No. I mean, I'd been okay. to New York once. I'd been to Florida once, but mainly just California to visit family hmm. and, like, Seattle. Um. I mean, I think uh, Eugene, because Maya lived in Eugene. But yeah, it was very, my travel was very limited. I'm I'm in a big family. I You know how it is. Road trips are mm-hmm. pretty constant. Yeah, um, I'm surprised the first one wasn't with family, that it was with a family friend. No, well, no. Oh, no, no, no. That wasn't my first road trip. But it was No, my I f- mean your first road trip to Texas. Your first trip oh, to yeah, Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think my parents ever had any interest in going to Texas. Um, although my mom's coming with me. Did I tell you this? I've told you this. No, but, you didn't tell me this. Your my mom's mom- coming to Texas? Yeah, my mom's going to be coming this week with me. We're taking different flights there, but we're flying back together. Um, wow. But, yeah. Big deal that she's going to be in Texas. Yes. That's... <laughs> That's a big one. She's she's really excited to eat barbecue and eat Mexican food. It's going to be good. Yeah. Ooh, that will be fun. I always forget that the prime reason that any American goes anywhere is to eat different food. That is, I am a culinary tourist, man. Oh, that totally. Is, yeah, that, that's what I do. Like the, ni- the night in Brooklyn when I was like, I just want a cannoli. <laughs> um, I have now officially found the best cannoli in the city so where is when it you're back here uh cafe roma Ooh, sounds in little italy it's uh, it's yeah. been there since the 1840s i think damn same location <clears throat> same family it's nuts wow um but went to the san Gennaro festival with cameron and amanda um and my wife of course and we ate so much ridiculous ridiculous food it was so good that sounds amazing it was amazing and once again the only reason we did it was to eat food because we are american tourists and that's what you do i have to say though we have to go back to that one restaurant we went to my last night because that Mm. was awesome yeah got dessert and wine yeah and didn't they give us like a free liqueur as well yeah it was uh ouzo or something like yeah i think it. it was like ouzo um, it was delicious. Mm-hmm. It was like a Sambuca sort of thing. Who knows? Yeah, it but. was. That was awesome. I was I was loving on it. But yeah. So how many how many poems do you think you've written about Texas? Uh, or two or four around. Um, like fifteen, sixteen, probably. Wow. Yeah, it's. I mean, some of them were prior to writing this. It was actually realizing how much I was writing about it in different poems for our poetry blog Hmm. that I realized like that was something that was really driving me. 
but yeah, so that's, that is that, but speaking of, I actually am, <laughs> I have submitted so many poems in the last two weeks because I wanted to get them all done before this trip, mm-hmm. and a lot of the literary magazines I'm, I'm submitting to, they have September due dates, mm. so if you want to have it in the spring issue, and so I'm trying to get it all done, and like I have a chart as to what is what has been submitted where and like where I uh, haven't heard back and when the deadlines are. It's it's all very organized for me, for my weird, jumbled up, cluttered brain. Well, speaking of poetry, um, for those of you who are interested in such things, Adair and I do have a poetry blog together. Um, it is on Tumblr and it's called Everything is an Island. Or everything's an island. It's apostrophe s. Um, and every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, we take turns writing new poems with a shared line. So there'll be one line in my poem on Tuesday that is also in Adair's poem on Thursday. So and that's it, my subtle little plug. I like it, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's fun seeing that. I love uh, with each line seeing where we each go. It's never to the same place. It seems. It's always very different, and I like that. I like ha- that we write in such different styles, and it's it's really enjoyable to see where where we both go with that. No, it's. I think it's it's speaks to interpretation and want and execution, um, like how you could give the you know you could give a class, give everybody the same little tube of play doh and watch what all the different kids make. I think it's the same sort of principle, how which words pop and matter and will try to rhyme with or alliterate to or what have you. And I always, I always enjoy seeing what about the line spoke to me and what about the line spoke to you and when it really hits on something and when it maybe is uh, a little more work to find where it can go and how to work with it. Which I love. I love when there's a line that I really, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of because I have to work twice as hard. And I think it really is, it adds to the challenge, which is wonderful. And that makes me happy. I liked that I accidentally rhymed. I was realizing my last poem, I'm accidentally rhyming. I'm like, ah, damn it. Which is one of those things that I think you are you you don't often rhyme but you have a sort of a limericky way of thinking sometimes and so mm-hmm. i feel like it flows a lot more uh fluidly yep flows fluidly um <laughs> <laughs> i'm a writer ladies and gentlemen i don't know words i think it's a lot more fluid for you than it is for me with that i think i i struggle with that part of it and so it's funny when it happens not naturally <laughs> As opposed uh, to when it goes by easily. The first poem I wrote in college, um, which I can still remember the title, was called The Friend of Mind With Whom You Bind. Um, and it was very, very, very rhymy, if you can't tell by the title. Um, but I remember handing that in, and I'd worked so hard on it, and Lindsay Bland was my teacher, and she handed it back to me. And said, um, you know, it's very good. Don't feel like you have to constrain yourself this much, though, to fit your rhyme scheme. Like, you can feel free to go freeform. 
And I was like, free form? But poems have to rhyme. She was like, oh, wee babe, if you only knew. And then I just said, fuck it to rhyming. <laughs> so now when I, when I write something that rhymes, it's an intentional exercise in sound that I really enjoy trying to really work within a framework. It's very much more challenging. Very much more challenging. I agree. I actually, uh, well, we were discussing this poem that I was, I'm submitting to some literary uh, journals, but I also, uh, I did it while I was in a writing residency in June up in Arlington, Washington, at this very cool little farm. And it's very, it's a very interesting area, and it was pouring rain almost the entire time, but then it was super sunny our last day. They don't give you any guideline for what you're writing. They don't tell you how much you have to write. And so it was almost more stressful for me to just be <laughs> like, here, I have these like six notebooks. How much will I fill? And some of it was so like, I, I think I drank red wine for like an entire day because it was so rainy and we were just sitting inside drinking wine and talking and writing. And I would like take naps and it was just, <laughs> and there was like no cell phone, cell phone coverage. So not cell phone coverage, cell phone service. And so it was just one of those things that I was like, wow, um, <laughs> All right. this stuff is great. This stuff is great. But, uh, yeah, so that's... I'm imagining you trying to create, like, Rorschach inkblot tests, but with red wine. <laughs> uh, I definitely did that. I also had to wear these... I had to get borrow boots from the camp. Was that wet? <laughs> I also walked around with a one of those, like, red camping mugs full of rosé for part of the day. There were so sounds, many... Sounds like a writing retreat. <laughs> yep. It was it was cool. It was very cool. I'd never done a writing residency before, and I hope to do it again. Um, I'd like to go somewhere, you know, outside of Washington sometime. Or maybe you and I should just uh, rent a really awesome house and go and not murder each other. Well, I think if we uh, fill it with witnesses, I mean, other collaborators, uh, will will prevent that from happening. We should create like a writing retreat, like once a year, and it doesn't have to be all that uh, like writing, or I guess like a creative ret- retreat, and it could I be. I think a, a, an podcast. artistic retreat would be pretty fantastic. Yeah, and just like a weekend or a long, or like you know, like Memorial Day weekend, do this and. It could be in different areas, so sometimes it'd be, like, closer to you on the East Coast or sometimes closer to, like, Montana, or it could be closer, it could be, like, in California or in Washington or in Canada. Barring financial restraint, 100% on board. We could go to my brother's house. Yeah. I don't even know where that is. Puerto Vallarta. Oh, I love Puerto Vallarta. Wow. Never have you sounded so white. I'm sorry, but I really do love Puerto Vallarta. I've never um, been. I need to. I'm a bad sister. Oh my gosh, you have to go and you have to eat at La Palapa. That just sounded like you dropped something. No, La Palapa. Ah, La Palapa. Yeah, it's the 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 uh, the umbrella or the canopy, I guess. Um, but it's it's so good, and they will make you the most messed up pina colada ever it's so good i can't even I and can't. you're a bartender so that i'm a something. bartender 
Then again, my 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 standards for blended drinks are. Eh, I don't care enough about a blended drink to really get into it, but this one was life changing. Wow, that's what is it about writers and booze, Adair? What is it? Uh, we gotta write drunk and edit sober, man. No, but I mean, why? I don't mean something pithy. Like, what, what do you think it really is? Like, no, why? I wasn't trying to be drunks? pithy. I just was trying to quote our 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 leader, our de facto leader, Ernest Hemingway. Um, <laughs> oh, I captain, think, my captain. I think it's okay. Um, I think it's we. I feel like writers often are very not intensely neurotic as people would assume, like with like the Woody Allen types, but we're all a little bit neurotic mm-hmm. and a little bit trapped in like trying to figure out how to navigate normal conversations as opposed to like artistic endeavors and how those conversations go. And I think we get kind of blocked up in our own heads and alcohol does allow that to sort of flow in a, in an easier form. It's a social lubricant. Yeah. And I mean, it's not even just a social lubricant. I think I find it to be a creative lubricant. I do write better it's I'm uninhibited I'm a lot more I think your emotions are always a little bit more raw when you're drinking Mm -hmm. too like if you love something you're effusively in love with it or if something makes you angry you loathe it it's you can't be wishy-washy when you're drunk it's sort of for me at least as a as a creative type as an artist as a writer whatever label or uh, feather I want to put in my cap. Um, I always find that it is an an inability to reconcile the world, the thoughts, the ideas, and the notions in my head with the real world. The inability to reconcile those the, the things that I think, feel, and believe against the world as it is is like the source of the the struggle, the pain, and the need for the work. And when I'm drinking, A, it's it's a little easier, and B, it doesn't seem like I'm never going to get that perfect idea out. I'm never going to get that line just right. I'm never going to say the right thing at the right time and just nail it. It just massages that neuroses just a little bit, just enough, just like you were saying. It makes us a little less, little less neurotic and a little more functional which is why they call it functional alcoholic right that it helps you alcoholism helps you function better that's why it's called that yeah yes uh (laughs) yeah i (laughs) sorry i just imagine like you getting really angry at a cyclist and then as you drink you sort of steady out and you're like, okay, I can handle this person. Because <laughs> something I learned from last podcast was your intense hatred for a uh, for the cyclists of New York. I mean, it's not just the cyclists of New York. It's also the people on the subway who push to get in before the people trying to get out have gotten off. They are the scum like, of the earth. <laughs> it's like, where you got to go? No, and it's like, wait, what are you going to do? How are you going to turn the physical, solid human being in front of you into, I don't know, a semi-permeable mist that you can walk through? Or are you just planning to bowl them over? 
or are you assuming they're going to somehow get around you and facilitate your need to sit? Like, chill out. Seats aren't going anywhere. You'll get one. You're first in line, but you have to let someone off first. You cannot fit more water in the balloon if it's already full. Let some out, then put some back in. I just, I can't. I can't with those people. They are, I, I had to actually put my hand out to stop a woman from running into me as I'm trying to get off the train. And I just looked her right in the eye and said, excuse me. And she just got all huffy and threw her bag and tried to weasel around me. And I was like, all right, I'm out. I, I'm too tired to care at this point. You do you. <laughs> you do you, boo. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fall in Seattle now. And that means that the rain done come. And I don't know why it surprises me that every single year when it starts to rain, no one knows how to drive here. Like, the rain is the one weather phenomenon they should be pretty well equipped for, right? Eh, not this kind of rain. It, it's contrary to popular belief. Seattle does not pour, except for, like, a few weeks in the fall and a few weeks in the winter, and we've got some poury weather. Um, but otherwise, it's just like a mist or it's sunny. And so it's one of those things that when it gets, like, it, when it goes from sunny to pouring rain relatively quickly because i think seattle hit the snooze button on the seasons at first like it, hmm. it this the button went off for autumn in like mid-september and it was like no i no, i'm good i'm good and then it woke up again and it's like oh my god it's october like ninth fuck <laughs> like shit okay all right rain Right, uh, like Saturday, it was just like windy and raining, and we decided to go to Edmonds, which is like this beach town north of Seattle where my sister lives. And oh god, it was great. My brother was visiting from Puerto Vallarta, and we we're like, "Yeah, we thought you might want to see the water. It's out there somewhere." But then driving back, everyone was just a nuisance. I was like, "I'm over all of this." I, I don't, I don't envy you in that situation. Well, you know, I don't envy me much, so. <laughs> I've never envied me. <laughs> I've never been to me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh... So you still got that thermos full of rosé? Or... <laughs> no, um, no, I'm drinking, I'm drinking seltzer today. Seltzer, huh? Seltzer, seltzer. Yeah, I'm hydrating. Gotta stay healthy. I'm traveling in a few days, and I don't have much free time until then. This is my second podcast recording in 24 hours. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my god, we are so productive. So busy. Yes, I do appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to talk you, to me. You can just edit that out. Nobody needs to hear your appreciation. Yeah, we don't want anyone to think we actually, like, enjoy each other. No, don't let anybody know I'm your friend. They'll think that they have a shot at being my friend, and I just, I can't deal with any new applicants right now, Adair. I just can't. Dan, no one wants to be your friend. No, they do. My phone's just broken. It's not It's not getting incoming calls right now. Hmm. That's, okay. that's, that's what's going on. You do you, man. You do you. Well, um... Before we uh, 
hit the dusty trail, I would really like it if you would read something for us. Oh, yeah? You want me to read one of my my awesome poems that I'm submitting? Well, I would like you to read something. It doesn't <laughs> necessarily have to be that. Okay, here's a non-awesome poem that is I wrote at the writing residency I spoke of. Um, it has a title, but the title's kind of stupid, so we're just going to... Oh, tell me, tell me what the title is. Uh, the title is Listing Nouns. Well, it's not a stupid title. Don't be hard on yourself. I, I think I'm my own worst critic. I, I think there are it. no bad titles in Workshop. Okay. All right, Mr. Crary, here we go. Let's bake on these boards, leaving marks on the dry wood, in the tall grass, on the flame-scented air. Fill our lungs with words. We won't swallow them whole. Participles rest in our throats. Let's fight with words, throwing them out windows, collecting new vowels as we go. And we will lay in piles of blankets, singing as we fall asleep, covered in our stories and the music of strangers. Mm. Done. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Fill our lungs with words. We won't swallow them whole. Participles rest in our throats that's just so <sighs> evo evocative of just like luscious speech i guess it's it to me it's like a avant-garde oscar wilde like it's just so it's luscious it's language that you want to speak you know you know in my biography i do say i am an avant-garde oscar wilde type it was my Tinder profile. Yeah. Oh, I said I was an avant-garde Gene Wilder type, so. You are kind of an avant-garde Gene Wilder type. I will give you that. Yeah. Very different hairstyle. <laughs> Very different. Um, but you do that thing sometimes where you pretend to be wounded, and then you, like, do a cartwheel, and you're like, I'm okay, and everyone's like, no one cares. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, whenever this is, I see this the... This is an interesting poem. No, I'm... I'm not letting you wiggle away. Oh, shit. <laughs> Try. Well, I was just going to say, this actually, it relates to the poem. The word participle, whenever I, mm -hmm. I hear it, uh, I think of, have you ever listened to the musical 1776? It's like, Les Cool Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that was like my favorite musical in fifth grade, because, you know. Sit down, John. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I did like that they, in Hamilton, they do a little bit of yep. that, um, which made me happy, but... There is the song where they are trying to decide who's going to write the Declaration of Independence. And uh, there's a line where he says, uh, I can't remember who it is. I want to, I can't remember. Um, but he says, I, I cannot tell a participle from a predicate. I am just a simple cobbler from Connecticut. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I think of that song. I just like the word participle because it's one of those that you can't, rush no, like it, it's it's like a for, it's a force stop on your lips you can't say participle too fast before Partic it becomes participle participle you know and I, I i appreciate words that force you to say them if that makes any sense that just like they stop you a little bit with just the nature of their sound in a way that you have to give them their due it's like slow down I demand to be spoken and spoken correctly. Thank you. 
Just how sometimes when people walk by me, I'm like, I'm down here. I demand to be seen. Attention! Attention! Must Look be at me! Uh, uh, yeah, I'm really short, in case you were wondering. This is a podcast. You don't need to tell them that. I, Adair's very tall. Super I am, tall. I am very tall, blonde, very Nordic looking. Yeah, she looks like a Swede, not like a little Italian. <laughs> not like a little Italian. I am, I, I'm like an angry little Italian. Um, oh, Striganona! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what do you, what do you like about this poem? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard because when I wrote it, it was one of those poems that just came really easily there are certain poems that i i've struggled with but there are certain poems where it's like five minutes and then i'm like well this at least is a really good there's good bones to this and there's some where i rewrite everything like there's a poem i wrote about trees climbing trees and you really liked it and i wrote it in like three minutes and i was just like oh awesome and i thought there were good bones to it I cha- i've altered it a lot since then uh, for submitting, but I love when those poems kind of come to me and uh, and feel right. They feel like I've gotten the idea at least somewhat where I want it. You know how sometimes things sound so much better in your head and then you put them onto paper and you're like, this is not flowing the way it flowed when I narrated it in my head or when yeah. you wanted to draw something or, you know, write down a piece of music i feel like this happens sometimes where you get frustrated and this one though it's been edited since i first wrote it 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 has always felt beautiful like in a way like there's something beautiful to it i like the words i think the words are pretty and they flow and they they kind of feel good in your mouth when you're saying them Mm -hmm. i think sometimes there's almost this instinct to not trust words that come easily like oh that that was too easy a line to write that's probably not any good or you know i didn't spend oh i only spent an hour on this it's it's probably not going to be any good then but there are those moments where you know call it lightning in a bottle call it you know some spirit of inspiration or getting hit by a train or whatever but sometimes it's just there it's just on and you have i think the hard thing is knowing when to trust that you're on and when to accept when you're not, when it is going to be a struggle kind of day and when you're going to really have to work to find words. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's hard because there are certain people that get into a creative flow and it comes Mm -hmm. easily and it comes easily and it comes easily. But then the second there's an obstacle, there's this little mental hurdle, it feels like you need to give up like the creative flow is gone but it's not necessarily that's why I liked 30 for 30 last year is it forced me to write through writer's block and some of my favorite things that I've written I wrote during that time when I was really feeling uninspired so I think it's it's nice that it works sometimes yeah to a certain level it's got to be a job it's got to be a disciplined discipline you know if you just just do it and get past the bad ones same like working out and all that i mean it's very simple advice but at the same time it's really discouraging when you just stare at the page and then you write something shitty and you know it's shitty it's hard to go back the next day 
No, I totally agree. And it's hard to feel proud of it sometimes. I've only recently started feeling good about it. I have a friend mm -hmm. who, when she drinks, asks me to read her poetry. Awesome. Um, yeah, she says I have a, when I read poetry, she really likes the cadence of my voice. And I have tried for months not to have what I would call poetry voice, which <laughs> is like poets when they're doing readings often have a certain cadence to their voice. And sometimes it can seem a little bit uh, pompous, honestly. And that's hard. I like it when it feels genuine. And so when she told me she liked how I read poetry, I'm like, oh, well, how am I reading it? And she's like, I don't know. I just like hearing words come out of your mouth. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is cool. This, is, this makes me feel, you know, heard. But so whenever we drink, I read her poems now. Aw, that's yeah. awesome. It's the only time I'll do it. Poetry voice is an interesting phenomenon because... If you were reading, say, a Wadsworth poem or T.S. Eliot or something that you had not yourself written with your same voice, I don't think it would bother anybody at all. It would seem like you're reading poetry because poetry demands a certain thing of the reader. Like it has this sort of reverence or theatricality. No, those aren't even the right words, but there's something ceremonial about it. Like these, you're not telling a story necessarily, or even if there is a story, it's told through poetics. So it's a little different. It's very much its own thing. And so you don't speak that as you would a text message, you know, or recounting the news to someone. There's a different tactic. I think the only reason it ever feels or seems pompous in most cases is because you wrote it. And when you're reading your own words with that kind of reverence, I think people can be like, oh, well, aren't they full of themselves? La-dee-da, la-dee-da. That's actually how I talk when I'm observing people. <laughs> well, Megan, look at that person. La-dee-da, la-dee-da. That's, that's exactly how I speak. Actually, Megan and I, when we speak, uh, speak normally in Midwestern dialects, which, by the way, I apologize for this upcoming Dizzy Channel podcast because I'd say about a, a solid five minutes of it is me talking in different dialects, including a Midwestern dialect. Um, mm. I have an Irish one at one point. It's not good. None of it's good. None of it's good. But it's there, and you'll have to deal with it. Well, I don't know if that's uh, promotional material, a disclaimer, an it's apology. It's a disclaimer. Okay. And I mean, my general apology to the world that I've put that out. Um, but it, it is what it is. And it was due to me being very sober. So that's, that's how Damn it Damn you, sobriety! My well, one weakness! Well, this, this drink that was yesterday... Um, you should look at our Twitter because it is so cool looking. It, we had dry ice in it, and so it smoked. Oh. Um, we, were, it, we went all out. Well, Maya did. Uh, but it was very, very potent. And so Maya and Samantha both drank three glasses of it, and I drank not even one because I had to be responsible for the rest of the night anyway. And so really that drink would not have done me well if not. Um, so I had to sober up, so that was, 
that was the thing. So ultimately I drank one throughout an hour and a half time period, which was about right. Don't they know you're a writer? You need your alcohol. You're a growing writer. I'm, I'm a growing writer. Just a little poet. Um, question. Before we, Answer. Before we go our separate ways so I can, you know, carry on with work. Um, uh, is there anyone you're envying these days? Is there, any, is there anything interesting you've seen recently? Is there any actor or writer you're impressed with this week? I need some recommendations. I need to know your life. Recommendations. I would say um, Westworld. Uh, yeah. I yeah. I don't. I've watched the pilot and I. Ooh, watch episode two. Yeah, I haven't watched episode two yet. I've been getting ready for this trip, and then there was a debate last night. I don't know if you know that we're in the middle of an election season. Mm, uh, yeah. It's it's a really weird show that I've been watching with these debates. Uh, <laughs> the debate. <laughs> um, it's just like one long SNL sketch. That's pretty. I mean, yeah, S- SNL is always SNL's better every four years. Yeah. Every four years, SNL is just better. I don't know if you watched this week's SNL, but if not, I did, yeah, I did. it's great. He like Lin Manuel Miranda, like he next level hosted it. I will say, though, it reinforced my dislike of Jimmy Fallon. I, I was just about to say, please say Jimmy Fallon. Please say Jimmy Fallon. Because Anne and I were watching it uh, together. Uh, and I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, what is going on? I mean, I just, uh, like, I've never seen him get through a sketch without breaking. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, hoagies. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're. It's hilarious that this is your life. That's so great for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know you're bad when you have to put Seth Meyer on after just to make you look good by comparison. Yep. That's right. I'm calling out everybody on NBC. Should have never gotten rid of Conan. I'm still upset about that. Oh, my God, me too. But it did create that awesome documentary about Conan, which I did love. There's a good recommendation right there. Yeah, that is a good recommendation. Because I but actually yes, haven't seen that, so... You should watch it. It's really... It's just about, like, those few months between when his contract ended and all of that happened and mm-hmm. uh, when he was not allowed to be on television, what he yeah. ended up doing. Yeah. So I have whacked my microphone while I was talking. Whoops. It's okay. Um, here, I'll, I'll do it, too. There, was that... that it, come through? It made, yeah. like, no noise. <laughs> Your oh, it made noise on my on my end. Trust okay. me. Okay, mine. I could see a little spike. Now. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> it's frizzing. You probably <laughs> sh- you probably shouldn't have made your own microphone. I'm just gonna say it. I also shouldn't have stabbed it with a fork. But yeah, that never works are. that well. You're like the cat told me to. Uh, uh, but if I cat. was gonna if I was gonna steal anybody's career right now, um, Yeah, I think I probably would steal Lin-Manuel. Gets to write whatever he wants. Gets to uh, perform quite a bit in coveted spaces. And Disney's investing heavily in him, which is always a good sign of confidence when the evil empire will vouch for you. Yeah, I know, right? He's he's doing things. And also, he just, like, is such a happy-looking guy. Yeah, right? He just yeah, He's just normal enough to still seem like an approachable celebrity, but just ridiculously huge enough. 
to be blown away by his own fame. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, saw this little meme and it says, I want someone to look at me the way Lin-Manuel Miranda looks at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like eight photos. And yeah, it's just this adoring look that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. But yeah, that those are that's some good recommendations. Those those are some good careers to have too. Yeah, been better, been worse. How about you? Mm. I'm taking your Conan recommendation. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm well. Yeah, that's that's what my recommendation is, I guess. Um, oh, also, I'm reading The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. Yeah, great, any good? Great book. Yeah, hmm. I it might be a Christmas present to you later on um it's very interesting it goes through uh it's not a linear novel but i really like meg wallitzer too i met her a few last year and i bought this book out of like i want her to sign something and then i'm reading it and it's pleasantly surprising and i just found out that it's apparently an amazon series now they've made it into a tv show and so yeah it hasn't aired yet but it's gonna so I'm I'm excited about that, but yeah. So that in the Conan documentary, my recommendations, and uh, I would say so. I I saw Brian Wilson, <laughs> Brian Williams. No, I saw him read the news. I saw Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys on oh, wow. Saturday night with our uh, with your old college buddy Jasper. Hey, yeah, college class, two thousand. 11. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Jasper and I went to see Brian Wilson. We've had these tickets since January. And there, we had, like, awesome seats. And he went, Brian Wilson went through, all through Pet Sounds. Um, but, oh, awesome. But I was reminded of the movie Love and Mercy, which is about Brian Wilson and his mental instability as he wrote Pet Sounds and then later on in life because he was... Uh, manipulated pretty severely by his psychologist i believe or his therapist shit yeah uh and so i mean he's lived quite an intense life both of his brothers died fairly young one was 39 i believe um so i mean and his uh, and his brother dennis had interaction with uh, the manson family and so i mean there's there's a lot of craziness in that family they had a very intense relationship with their father and also an intense amount of fame at a very young age. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, but love and mercy is a great movie and it made me really respect Paul Dano again. Um, and I was kind of thinking about, yeah, he hasn't been great in everything, but I really, I loved him. My favorite movie in high school, don't judge me was girl next door. Starring Alicia There's nothing Cath- to judge you for. That's, okay. That's a terrific movie. Okay, so a lot of people are just like, really? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yes, really. The next time they give you shit about them, you tell them to come talk to me. Oh, I'm not friends with those people anymore. Good. I, you don't I, need that kind of toxicity in your life. I, I shun those people away from my life. Um, but that was a movie. I still own it. Like I watched it many, many times my junior and senior year of high school um, and still. Uh, but I love Paul Dano in that. And then... I've recently seen two movies that I really appreciated his acting in. One was Love and Mercy, and the other being Swiss Army Man, which, uh, if you have not listened to the soundtrack to Swiss Army Man, you need to. 
What am I doing with my life, Adair? What am I, I doing? I don't know. But it's it's a really interesting movie, but the music, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really watch a trailer. I mean, I like watched like the the theatrical, the big theatrical trailer before there was a lot of uh, clips from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't really know what to expect, and I did not know what to expect with the music, the soundtrack. And I was so pleasantly surprised. I'm, that's all I'm going to say because it was such a surprising thing and it gave me goosebumps and kind of made my like stomach get a little fluttery because there are those moments when you see those things that bring out real emotion for you and that's why I wanted to create when I was a kid and it's continually an inspiration to me and so I would say Paul Dano like right now is really rocking my face off well that's high praise I mean when you can touch that place that was first sparked that's uh that's powerful that's potent stuff when you can feel something that deeply and viscerally yeah i connect it to the first time the first time i ever felt it was when i was a child and i saw mr holland's opus for the first time and that last scene in mr holland's opus which if anyone can get through that scene without crying they are a robot um well if Westworld has taught me anything, it's that robots can cry, so I find that pretty offensive. I'm sorry, Dan. I forgot you were part cyborg, too. Yeah! Genetically and technologically modified. I feel like there's no better ending to this podcast than yep, that. Yep, hit and stop. <laughs>